Hi there, and welcome to the Men Inside Show, the place online where we discover everything you need to know about men. And welcome to the Men Inside Show podcast, where we talk to different men about what's in their mind and heart, we'll put them on the spot and really try to get to know them, their dreams and hopes, desires and fears, and views on women in relationships. I'm your host, Anna Rova, um, the host and founder of the show and a digital nomad traveling around the world. And uh, today I'm recording this introduction video for you for the new episode and the last episode of the Men Inside Show, MIS 43. And I'm recording from Barcelona and uh, what an iconic place am I standing in front of the Patijo house of Gaudi. I'll show it a little bit. <laughs> really, really cool house. I highly encourage you to visit. Um, so anyways, I'm sitting here and uh, I will, I'm introducing you to the ep last episode of the Men Inside Show for a while. Last episode of season three. I'm closing down the show for, for a bit. Um, not sure when I'll be back, but it's a new chapter of my life that's um, you know finishing in and I'll release a, an epilogue next week about all the learnings and wins and lessons learned. So it should be really, really cool. Um, you know, thing for you if you're interested. But I want to thank all the listeners for being with me, and it's been such such an amazing journey, um, which I'm going to write about. But anyways, this episode is called the Men's Style Guide. It's with Russell Smith, who wrote a really cool book called Men's Style: The Thinking uh, Man's Guide to Dress. Uh, I've heard this uh, his episode on uh, Art of Manliness uh, show, and I thought it was really really cool. So we talked to Russell about you know men's style history how men should dress, uh, what's, what's the women's role in a relationship and how to dress, how a man dresses and all that stuff. I think it's a great episode to close the show with and I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. And as I said, this is probably my last public appearance on a video uh, regarding Men Inside Show, but I have a lot of cool things that I'm working on and uh, so I'll keep you updated. Um, all right, all the love from Barcelona and uh, I'll speak to you soon, bye. So today we talked to a man uh, whose name is Russell Smith and Russell is the men's style guide. Hi Russell, welcome to the Hi. show. Hi, thank you for having me. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you again for doing this. I'm super excited about talking to you. And let me read a description for the audience about you and that's taken from your website. Um, Russell Smith is one of Canada's funniest and nastiest writers. Uh, his previous novels, including How Insensitive and Girl Crazy, are records of urban frenzy and exciting underworlds. He writes a provocative weekly column on the arts in the National Globe and Mail and teaches the MFA program at the University of Gulf. 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 <laughs> and most importantly, he hates folk music. I thought this detail was very interesting and uh, so let me tell the listeners a little bit of background why I'm interviewing you today. I heard Russell's interview on the art of manliness, uh, which was basically the th where he was interviewed um, on his book, Men's Style, The Thinking Man's Guide to Dress, which you, Russell, uh, released, uh, published a couple of uh, years ago and it was an amazing interview where you talk to Brett about, you know, the history of men's style and fashion and trends and what does it mean to a man and all of that stuff. And I also read a lot of reviews on your book and Brett himself recommends this uh, as the book on men's style guide. It's very entertaining. It's very well written. And so when I heard this, I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to this guy uh, for 
as long as I can remember, I wanted to talk to a, a model, a fashion designer, a style guide. So this is a great beginning. <laughs> so today we're getting into the men's style. I'm going to ask you some questions about, you know, uh, the history of it. What does the style mean to men and how women actually play a role in all of that stuff. So, yeah, so Russell, let's get into it. Uh, but first, we have this first question on the show that I ask all men. And that is, what do you find attractive in a woman? Okay, well, that is pretty straightforward, but it also might surprise you a little. Okay. What I find attractive in a woman is success. Success of any kind. She has to be good at something and wants to be good at something. So that doesn't mean necessarily she has to be rich, although that's hugely attractive in itself as well. <laughs> but, but it means that she, I am very attracted to a woman who is driven, um, who has some professional ambitions, and who has achieved some success, even if that means being in a graduate degree program somewhere, but is, is, is aiming for something that she can do herself. In other words, what I'm totally attracted by is confidence, proficiency, and yeah, let me admit too, status as well. That's, that's attractive to me as well. Mm, interesting. And it's funny because a lot, of women believe, a lot of women believe that men are the opposite, right? A lot of women believe that men like to be the powerful one and they like to have a woman who is less successful than they are so that they can feel strong. I don't know what men they're talking to because none of my male friends <laughs> are like that. No. Yeah, I think there's a, a little bit of a misconception in that. I mean, it depends on the man, obviously, but I, I get what you're saying. It makes absolute sense. All right, great. So uh, let's get into it, uh, Russell. So tell me a little bit about your story and how you got into fashion. From what I know is that your dad is uh, South African and he yeah. is a university professor or he was a university professor. Perfect. So he was very academic. And then your mom actually was really... A, like a lot into fashion so you would be growing up with these very literary magazines I mean academic magazines and Vogue and yes. a lot of the stuff that uh, you know about fashion style was passed to you by your by your father so tell me a little bit about yourself because I know you're a writer and you publish right. uh, you know you have novels and you just published your latest uh, you know uh, book on short stories and how did you get into the fashion and we basically want to hear your story a little bit Okay, well, I studied literature like my father. I, he was a university professor of English, and I thought I would be an academic as well. I was good at languages. I studied French and Italian, and I ended up majoring in French, and then I did French literature. I did a master's on French surrealist poetry, and I thought I was going to do a PhD, but I got tired <laughs> after writing my thesis. I'm scared of doing the PhD because it was too difficult, so I said, I'll go to Toronto, the biggest city in Canada, for one year, and just take a year off, um, which I did, and I never came back uh, because I started going out with rich kids and going to nightclubs and parties and art galleries, and I started writing magazine articles about those things, and then I started publishing them, and then I started writing funny stories, which became my first novel, which came out um, uh, in the 90s, and um, that novel was a strange success because it was a funny novel about young people living in the city and we didn't have a lot of those in Canada because Canadian literature tended to be about the country and the past. I had to make a living wearing various hats, writing about various subjects. If you're a freelance writer, generally, I did travel, I did food, I was a food critic for five years, I, yeah. and I fell into fashion by accident. 
because I have no training whatsoever. Uh, I remember I wrote a, an article about South Africa, which is where my family's from, uh, and I gave it to this very intellectual, very literary magazine called The Idler, all run by middle-aged men. And I came in to talk about my article on South Africa, and they looked at me and they said, do you know anything about fashion? And I said, well, yes. And they said, good, you're our fashion correspondent. And that was only <laughs> because I was the youngest person who'd ever walked into that office. That was the only reason I got that job. Wow. So from then I had to learn about fashion. I started going, uh, well, I had spent a year in Paris as a student, and I had gone to the big the spring collections when I was working for a magazine there I'd gone to sell issues of the magazine there but as I said too my dad had this interesting perspective on men's fashion men's fashion is very different from women's mm -hmm. in various ways but the most important way is that men's fashion is much more bound by convention that that men's fashion is not about fashion it's about fitting in and showing your status and that's why it changes so very little and the high fashion on the runways affects men's fashion that they actually wear very very little and so to learn how to dress respectably for men involves learning a lot of rules and conventions that are class-based so this was what my father learned as a scholarship student from the colonies when he went to Oxford in the late 1950s. He was a Rhodes Scholar from South Africa. And so he was um, uh, an outsider and had to learn all the, it was a very class conscious, very privileged place at the time, and he had to learn all these rules about how a gentleman laces his shoes and buttons uh, <laughs> his jacket and what colors he can wear and what exactly how to tie a bow tie. And, and all of these rules are very, very strict. They were necessary for his social status and so that he passed them on to me mm. he taught me all those manly things how to shave how to polish your shoes which has very specific techniques i think but what you're saying is actually i think is very important because as a woman now i see that a lot of men uh, are kind of confused you know it's i see that there's a lot of trends here and there and what I love about your story is that, you know, your father passed on to you all of this knowledge about how, you know, how not only how to be a man, but also how to dress as a man and all that stuff. And we kind of lost that father-son connection. You know, I'm exploring masculinity and all that. So our young men growing up are a little bit confused because they didn't have a fatherly figure, um, you know, to teach them proper... Um, you know, to, they didn't have a guide, so to say. And uh, But I want to ask you about something you mentioned in the interview where you said that men are actually critiqued for having a sense of fashion. So I feel like today we have a misconception about what it is to, for a man to be stylish and fashionable. And I know that, and I myself have sometimes judged men for being too fashionable. I, I think that... Uh, this is a problem mostly in North America. Europeans don't have this problem as much. That uh, American men are very conservative in this way, Canadians as well. And this is changing as these countries, these very young countries grow older and, and more sophisticated. But they're, but they're basically conservative countries in, in North America. And so also we had the, the uh, strange distortion of the idea of men's appearance that happened in the 1960s with the counterculture movement. In the 1960s, uh, it became popular to say that any kind of artificial grooming was, grooming was itself was artificial and therefore it was less uh, authentic and therefore less manly. To be a man mm -hmm. involved letting yourself go, growing your facial hair, showing the hair on your chest and dressing like a mountain man rather than uh, a city man because city men were corrupt in the establishment. Mm. And that's a, a heritage of that 
brief movement in, in social history has stayed with us for a long time because uh, it's really a blip in the history of men's fashion in which men have always been peacocks, particularly military men, the toughest men there are, dressed in flashy ways. Um, so the idea that a tough man would not be elegantly groomed is a very, very recent one and, and, and just a short blip in history that we're still recovering from. I encourage men, if they're going to explore their appearance, uh, to basically stay within the rules of conservative dressing, but to find a sensual outlet within it. For example, the silk pie, the silk pocket square, the beautiful pink shirt, um, some element of color within that uniform, some sense that you take a sensual pleasure from the fabrics that you're putting on your body. <laughs> Well, I love that. I love what you're saying because, you know, as I mentioned before, I study the feminine and the masculine energies and, you know, all of us have it. And a lot of men, especially today, you know, they they force or they um, go against their feminine side, which all of us have. And I love how you mentioned sensuality in the men's dressing and how all these little details, you know, the tie, the, the pockets, the socks, all of that stuff. And in fact, Russell, uh, if you look at my logo, the Men Inside Show logo, uh, there's a little time there. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a very cool detail. And uh, yeah, I love how you mentioned this, you know, because men, there are ways to express yourself, but obviously not as women express themselves in their dressing. So then this little details and they're very noticeable, like women notice that. So I love that fine touch that you bring into, into that. So that's awesome. And so... Let, let, let us finish the first part of the interview in um, like the current trends for men. Uh, you know, why, like, as, as I mentioned before, men are confused. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what is, where, where are we going with this? Like, what is the future? What, how is the present? Because I know you mentioned some of the trends that are going on into like the anti or the rebellious men who are like, I don't care about fashion anymore. Let's just dress simply and you know, um, not show any kind of color or whatever. So what is your, what is your take on the present and the future well, of men's style? The present and the future are fragmented, very fragmented. There are pressures on men from all different directions that are contradictory. So there is a pressure, pressure to dress in the expensive athletic wear of the hip hop star. Is that sexy and masculine? Or, or is sexy and masculine to dress like a dandy with an elegant suit and a tie and a pocket <laughs> shiny leather shoes? These things are contradictory and we're getting them both from the media at all times. And I think that <clears throat> explains what can only be described as hipster fashion. Mm -hmm. That's the white middle class fashion of the Western world, um, which for men involves a very, very strict anti-sensual uniform. It involves a kind of proud rejection of any clothing that doesn't fit in this uniform. That uniform means you have a beard, you have glasses, you have tattoos, you have a tight plaid shirt, uh, and you have narrow jeans, preferably rolled up a bit <clears throat> at the ankle. Um, and this uniform is cultivated to the point that it becomes a flamboyance of its own, that the beards that were initially worn to be anti-fashion have now become mm -hmm. elaborate and ornate yeah, exactly. flamboyant fashion of themselves. You, even if you're trying to avoid fashion, you can't avoid it. Um, that's, that's the one uniform that I probably dislike the most, but I'm much more inclined to uh, be interested in expensive dressing. Um, <laughs> I think that sets you aside 
Um, and that's why we still are drawn to action heroes like James Bond. Now, let me talk about James Bond for a second. Why does James Bond last it from the 1950s to now as a masculine ideal? Well, it's because he's violent and because he's dangerous and he can garrot you with a shoelace. But also because he's wearing the most beautiful Tom Ford suits uh, <laughs> known to man. And also he has an old-fashioned class-based sense of sophistication. So he knows exactly what kind of wine to drink with fish. He knows how to behave at the opera, um, etc. So he has elements of privilege in his bearing, even though he is also violent and dangerous. Uh, th these are aspects of masculinity which many people think are contradictory. You think, oh, well, I can't be a sensitive man and enjoy the opera and beat the crap out of somebody uh, <laughs> at me with a knife at the same time. James Bond is the, is the ultimate combination of all those things. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I would encourage men not to be afraid of elegant clothing. Yeah, so I, I love what you're saying. I mean, for us, I think women really like a man who is confident in what he's wearing, but is also taking care of himself, you know? Ultimately, it's that. So I guess the conclusion that I'm making here is, you know, uh, men uh, should be encouraged to explore fashion, to explore their style, but at the same time, know the classics. Uh, while being uh, themselves and finding their own style. Because I guess, I mean, there are subtle differences, obviously, but still they need to be who they are and express themselves in what they're wearing. So now let's uh, let's talk about the awkward jar. And I've okay. prepared a really nice one for you. So it's oh, basically no. a statement that I find online and you'll have to provide mm -hmm. a theory for that. So, um, and most of the time it doesn't make sense. So okay. the awkward jar for you today is Russell. It is a known fact uh, that men who have pierced ears are better prepared for marriage. Marriage? Yes. And, now that uh, is very surprising. It is very surprising. So what do you think about, why, why do you think that happens, Russell? <laughs> Let me say that I have one pierced ear that I've had since I was 18 years old. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, the pierced ear, I'm afraid, has not prepared me for marriage in any way. <laughs> I think that, that in all seriousness, the, the, the major reason must be that a man who pierces his ear is doing a stereotypically feminine act. It is still considered more the province of women to wear earrings. And so a man who does that is expressing an openness, a sort of um, sensitivity by, by doing a stereotypically feminine thing that makes him, I suspect, more capable of dealing with the domestic. That's my thing. Very interesting. Wow. Mm. Very deep. Mm, thank you. That was very interesting <laughs> to ponder on that. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for your answer. Um, and now we actually get into the second part of the interview, which is where we talk about women. What I'm interested in is how do we as a woman, uh, how do we as women uh, play a, a role that is encouraging, supportive to a man's style. Because I feel like we as women get a little bit confused because we don't want to be too pushy and telling him what to wear, how to wear, and so on, because we want him to find his own style and stuff. What do you think about a woman's role in a man's um, style, sense of style? Yeah, it's a very good question and a very tr tricky one, and there's no <laughs> clear because uh, it's true that the, the vast majority of men's clothing in the United States has always been, well, at least in the 20th century, been bought by women. This is starting to change now, but up until about 15 years ago, still 60% of men's clothing was bought by women. Men still think it's the province of women. They need to take care of it. Their partner, for Christmas, she'll set me up with a couple of jackets and a couple of ties. It's all I about. And men give up then 
when women start doing that for them. They let themselves be dressed. And I think that's a terrible infantilizing thing that then you give up control of yourself, your identity, your sensuality. I would never allow a woman to dress me. I'd certainly ask her opinion if I was in the store with her on something, but I wouldn't necessarily take it. Um, and you know what happens when women start dressing their men entirely and when they start pushing them towards certain clothes? It's funny. They push them towards very conservative clothes, I find. Um, they, they push them towards safe often little boy-like dressing. Um, they'll push them towards nice blazers and V-neck sweaters and cardigans and cocky trousers and check shirts. Um, and I think that unconsciously, I'm gonna say something terrible, and a lot of women are gonna hate me for saying this, but I think, I think that unconsciously this expresses a desire to infantilize their men. In other words, to desexualize them, to, uh, to emasculate them to a certain point so that they look respectable, but they're not a threat to anybody. Now, how do you get men to take an interest in clothing? That's another question. What you have to do is subtly build an environment around them without letting them know that you're doing it that values the aesthetic point out things that you like and not just in clothing but in terms of design of decor of, of architecture of paintings that you like anything aesthetic you've got to get a man starting to think the environment the aesthetic around me import uh, environment around me is important and gradually he will start to learn by himself if you, you you've got to you've got to slowly immerse him in it and leaving fashion magazines around is not a bad idea as well <laughs> to look at but you can't go at it head on you can't say i need to get you new clothes you need to dress more like this and i know many men who on being told that they need to improve their dress will simply dig in their heels and say no i'm going to wear yeah. my t-shirt sleeves ripped off because I want to meet your mother in that t-shirt because you are not going to tell me how to dress. Mm -hmm. Be very careful. We have big egos. We don't want to be feel, feel that we are being told what to wear by women. So you've got to go about this very, very carefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, it's a, it's an art and a skill, like how to do these things. And, and I'm sure there are many, many tricks and tips that women can do to, to do that. And I feel like it's also about giving him feedback, like positive, feedback and positive reinforcement whenever, for example, he does something or whatever, because anyways, our men want to be with us and, you know, want to make us feel good with him and all that stuff. So that's, that's great. And uh, so my last question, Russell, before we get into the two biggest questions of this interview is, um, you know, because right now I'm seeing a man and uh, oftentimes we're going out, for example, or women, you know, who are just dating. What is, how do we, because you know, this whole idea of matching, um, yeah. how do we, and because, you know, sometimes we talk about it and he's like, okay, I need to match you or you need to match me. What do you think about this whole matching of, of outfits and dressing of a man and a woman? Does it really matter? Like if well, I'm going out yeah. and you know, how does well, that you work? Want to match, you don't want to match your outfits, obviously. You don't want to both be <laughs> wearing you know, blue that floral. That can be very hat. cute, you know? <laughs> but. <laughs> That's not what we mean when we say matching, right? We mean that we you want to be matched on the same level of dressiness. And this is often a problem in couples because in this culture in particular, in North America in particular, women tend to dress better than men. So they dress up and the, how many times have you been out when you've seen these couples where you think, how could she be with him? He's yeah. wearing shoes and jeans and a baseball cap and a check shirt or a sweatshirt in a restaurant and she's got heels and a tight <laughs> dress and a pearl necklace. We, we see this every day and we think uh, how is it possible that men are allowed to get away with this and it seems to me that they're not being respectful of of their women so um 
I think in that case, it's very tricky. Again, you don't want to lecture your man on what to wear. You want to subtly recommend things. You want to say, uh, oh, by the way, this is a little bit dressy uh, where we're going. When you're out with your man, point out things that other men are wearing that you like. Say, oh, that's a nice jacket. Don't ever say, oh, that's a really good looking guy. That's not going to happen. <laughs> say, 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 that's a nice jacket. Oh, what do you think of it? Ask his opinion. Say, oh, what do you think of those shoes? I kind of like them. Um, just to bring his eye to things. And then slowly, slowly, he will start to change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Yeah, that's that's a great advice. Thank you so much. And I guess it's I guess it's also a matter of common sense, you know, like where are you going? What's going yeah. on? And of course... Well, men are idiots, though. Men are total idiots about this. I mean, they will go to the... wearing their running shoes. At a certain point, they just have to be told. Yeah. <laughs> but so they I also have to... They have to see themselves in nice clothes in order to know what it's like. You know, I often take out men shopping for to buy their first suits and they are men who have had uh, been able to get well into adult life without owning a suit because they're artists or academics. And suddenly they have some success. They have to go to an award show. They need a suit. They come to me and they're very scared about how much they're going to have to spend. And they come wearing their running shoes and I say, oh, why did you wear your running shoes? We're trying on suits. Don't you get it? Uh, they don't understand the most basic things about it. They didn't even shave before they came out. And if you get them then, say, try on these shiny shoes, put on this dark suit, and it has to be a dark suit, not a light suit. Many men are afraid of dark suits because they think they're too formal, and then they buy a light gray suit, which is not practical or useful. Put them in a dark gray or navy suit, a white shirt, a silver tie, black shoes, and tell them to put it on and come out of the change room. You will see that moment when they look at themselves in that... <laughs> And they will see for the first time a different kind of man emerging. And always, always the result is amazement and a kind of thrill. They really didn't think they could pull it off until they actually wow, see it. Amazing. Wow. Well, thank you so much for all this information, Russell. What I'm getting from it is that, first of all, um, we shouldn't pass any judgment in that sense that man, man's style is important. I mean, in my opinion, I think in general, we need to encourage our man to dress well and not to, you know, just simply forget about it. And it's, it's just a, like a basic principle of taking care of yourself. And also we as women, we need to find a balance of how to encourage men and how to support them in their quest for, you know, finding their own style, but also, um, you know, following the classic movements of, you know, owning a good pair of shoes, uh, you know, how do you dress up with a tie and stuff like that. So, but also guiding through them and supporting them in that without being too pushy and telling him um, what to do, what to wear and all of that. So exactly. um, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Russell. And now we get to the final two questions of the interview. And that is related to you <laughs> as a man. <laughs> so first one is, uh, what is your biggest fear as a man? Well, everything changes. Everything changed. Every, every answer I would give to those chain questions changed for me when I had a child six years ago. So I have a six-year-old boy. And now he is the source of all my greatest fears. So my greatest fear in life is that something would happen to him. Mm -hmm. uh, People say that when when you have a child, your heart gets taken out of your body and then it starts walking around outside <laughs> your body. <laughs> and that's what happened. I feel my heart is walking around outside my body and I'm constantly vulnerable and I'm constantly worried about him. It changes your life in, in not such a good way. It makes you kind of crazy. Um, and then what happens next is your career becomes hugely important because you feel a need to provide for him and particularly in his future. I can't live anymore as a bohemian, as a student. I can't think I'm going to give everything up and go to Costa Rica and live in a hut on the beach. 
for a year because I need suddenly a higher income and I need stability and I can't leave the place where he goes to school. So I would say my greatest fear now as a man is career, career-based. And this is this is an old-fashioned problem for men. We, we, we are constantly in anxiety about our professional success, particularly as you reach middle age like me. This is the gnawing factor that's bigger than any sexual issue, really even any health issue. It's, it's, it's the question of, am I a big enough provider? And of course that is related to your whole sense of status in the world as a man in a way that, women, that they don't have it as much. Interesting. Mm. Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable. <laughs> uh, so now let's end on a positive note. And uh, the last question is, uh, what was your most embarrassing moment in your sex or dating life? Okay, well, when I published my first novel in 1994, I was only 30 years old. And I went to a small university town to give a reading for a literary magazine there. And of course, there are young women around. and. I was kind of the star of the evening. They had advertised this evening and a lot of people came and I thought, well, I am hope that at least I'm in a foreign town, I'm going to get laid. I was staying in a bed and breakfast and I didn't want to go back there. I had to find some woman who would take me home. So I waited till the party afterwards was almost over, <laughs> woman left and she was really the last one standing and I left with her and I said, oh, I don't want to go back to my bed and breakfast. And she said, well, I'm a student at the university, you can come back to my to my residence. And I thought, oh boy, a women's residence. I'm too old for that. I, I, you know, I'm here for this. I'm never going to see this person again. So we fall. I walked right across town with her, right across this, this town I didn't know till I was completely lost. I couldn't have got home anyway. We sneak in because boys aren't allowed in the women's residence. Yeah. We see a motorcycle parked outside and she says, uh-oh, that's Danny's. And I say, Danny? Danny? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, never mind, he probably won't come in. I say, at this point, I really should have left, but I, yeah. I don't know. So we go in and we start playing video games in her room. Her roommate is away, so there's two beds there filled with girls' clothes and smelling of girl. And so we start making out and she stops me. She says, no, you're not going to come to bed with me because uh, I don't know you very well. And I said, well, of course you don't know me very well. <laughs> I don't know you very well, but what else are we doing here? Why did you ask me to come back and spend the night in your hotel room? She says, no, I'm a Catholic and I don't do that. So I said, okay, fine. I guess I just made a mistake. And she said, it's four o'clock in the morning. And I said, I'm not going to try to find my bed and breakfast. She says, oh, you can sleep in my roommate's bed. So with some anger, I get in my, her roommate's bed in my underwear and try to sleep and I can't sleep. The girl goes to sleep. I, she starts to snore. I get up to go to the bathroom. The bathroom is the shared washroom on the, on the, in the hallway. Yeah. yeah. And as I go out into the hallway in my underwear, I hear the door click behind me and it's locked. Uh, I use the wash. I come back. I'm standing under the fluorescent lights in the hallway in my underwear in a women's residence. And I try knocking on the door and calling her name, but she's asleep. She won't wake up. And, and I don't want to yell because I'll wake up all the other girls on the floor and I'm trapped out there. <laughs> Just then I hear laughter of women's voices coming down the hall. A bunch of girls are coming home from the bars late at night. Oh no. Trapped. On the door is a poster of me. It's my face because this girl was organizing the reading that I just gave. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm standing in front of my own poster, my own face. I'm obviously this guy standing in his underwear. Everyone knows what happens. They walk past me. They look at me. They look at the poster. They all laugh. And this is why one should never write novels. 
was so how did this story end like did she open the door and finally end? she opened the door that's it yeah. oh god wow wow this was an amazing story and i can i can tell you're a writer because by the way you were telling it it was incredible <laughs> Wow, that's well. I guess you learned your lesson, Russell, from that. Exactly. <laughs> do not be allowed, do not be led around a foreign town by your penis. That's that's the end. <laughs> exactly, especially if you're not a hundred percent sure of the intention the woman has. Yeah. <laughs> wow, awesome. Well, thanks, thanks so much for sharing that. And uh, we're at the end of the interview, so thank you so much for the interview. It was a great one. I think I I learned a lot and. Uh, I hope the women listening learned a lot as well. Russell, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank and you. This was fun, and I wish you good luck as a writer and uh, the provider as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anna. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Bye. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and you learned a lot and please let me know what you think about it and leave your review on iTunes for the podcast because you, know, you are listening to the podcast. So go to iTunes and find the Men Inside Show podcast and click five star rating and then leave a review or leave an honest uh, constructive feedback because I love going through those as well. And also just to, to let you know that I'm always looking for new ideas, new men to recommend. So if you have anyone, anyone to recommend that you feel that it's interesting, please email me at info at meninsideshow.com. Go to our Facebook page and uh, leave us a message. Also follow us on Instagram because we po post, well, follow me on Instagram. It's Wanderova, W-A-N-D-E-R-O-V-A. That's Wanderova. And I post, you know, about my life and my travels and about men as well and about the podcast. So go ahead and do that. And also, don't, don't forget to subscribe at your free guide to men at meninsideshow.com forward slash guide uh, for your free guide to men video series where I teach you lessons about men and relationships and yourself as well, which is very important. Hope you enjoyed it. Leave your feedback, leave your review, message me and follow us on Facebook and let's start the conversation so we can attract uh, great men and have great relationships. And as usual, I'm your host, Anna Rova, and I wish you a week full of amazing men. Ciao!